Ministry Mentorship, Episode 39. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started, I'd just like to let you know about our next Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study taking place on the 29th of this month at 8 p.m. Central Time. We have a special guest, Lori Wagner, uh, who's going to be with us. Her website is affirmingfaith.com, and you can check that out, uh, find out more about her. She's going to be our speaker on the 29th of this month. We've heard from several of you that have given us suggestions and questions for future interviews, and and I just want to say that I appreciate everyone that has taken the time to send us an email, uh, shoot us a message on Facebook. Uh, It's been really an encouragement, and and we really do appreciate the support. Uh, You can check out what others are saying about ministry mentorship by going to ministrymentorship.com backslash testimonials, and we've put some of those up there. You can uh, see what others have said about ministry mentorship. In this interview, we're going to be talking with Pastor Tony Booyer from Craig, Colorado. Pastor Booyer has a tremendous testimony, and he shares his personal experiences as a young pastor. And I know that you're going to be blessed and challenged as you hear his insight into ministry. Let's join the conversation now. All right, we're glad to have Brother Tony Booyer with us today. And he and his wife have been pastoring for the last 10 years in Craig, Colorado. They pastor the the Lighthouse of Craig Church, and they've been there for 10 years. For the last six years, he has served as the youth president of Colorado District, and uh, we're just so honored to have him today. Uh, Brother Booyer, thank you so much for joining us. And it's my honor. I'm glad to be here. Now, tell us a little bit of your story. You know, I wasn't I wasn't raised in church. My wife is a pastor's daughter. Went to that church a few times as growing up. And long story short, that actually told my my mom in kindergarten that I was going to marry my wife. You know, and and she obviously started laughing and told me to be quiet and get in the car. And, uh, <laughs> um, so pretty much asked my wife to date me every day. Pretty much through sixth grade. And, oh, wow. Uh, finally, in sixth grade, I said, listen, this is the last chance. <laughs> you're either going <laughs> to date this or you're done. And uh, she obviously said, no, well, by the time we got into about seventh grade, the Lord laid me on her heart, and uh, she started praying and fasting that I would come to church. And she did. She fasted one day a week and prayed every day for two and a half years that I would come to church. And uh, my cousin started dating her cousin. And um, she, you know, he invited me to church about the end of my freshman year. And I had been in a lot of trouble, been in drugs, and and just gotten into a lot of trouble, probation and all that. And I said, well, I'll try it. And then uh, I came, and, you know, God just, you know, transformed my life. I mean, he changed it from the very first day. I mean, it was three days uh, or three months after I received the Holy Ghost that um, I felt the call to preach. And... um, you know, at, at the age of, you know, 14, 15, somewhere in there, um, is when I got into church. Wow, that is awesome. What a testimony. And how did you first get started in ministry? 
tell a, a funny story. My father-in-law, um, when I got, when I about three months after I got the Holy Ghost, I told him, I said, listen, I feel a call to preach. And he said, well, meet me at church uh, on Monday morning you know, during the summer in August. And he said, meet me at the church Monday morning and we'll, we'll, we'll go through some things. I said, perfect. So I'm thinking that he's going to teach me how to, <laughs> you know, study and, pray and speak powerfully and all that and i get there and uh, he says these bathrooms are yours goes, these are what you're going to clean and um, I, you're going to be on the cleaning list and i said well, did you not hear what i said i, I want to be a preacher <laughs> yeah and, and he taught me from the very beginning he said listen uh, preaching and, and ministry is all about servanthood if you're not going to be a servant you're never going to be an effective minister and um you know, that stuck with me, and, and even today, you know, being pastor for 10 years, uh, that servanthood has never left, and I, I, so I think that's how I got started, was it wasn't being a preacher, it wasn't having a pulpit so much, it was, you know, being learning how to become a servant, and for a lot of us, you have to learn to be a servant, you know, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of us, um, and so that, that was how I got started. Man, that is... <laughs> What a, what a what an introduction to ministry. That's great. Now you started pastoring at a young age. I think it was twenty one. Is that right? Walk us through that transition and and talk to us about how that all came about. Yeah, my, my, I was an assistant pastor. You know, youth slash youth pastor. I'm not full time, obviously. But like nineteen years old, and um, my father in law um, had pastored for twenty some years great, great job for 20-some years, built a new building, and um, ran into some trouble in his life, and actually uh, fell. So the church, you know, because I was this as a pastor, asked me to run for, you know, pastor, and I told them no. I said, man, I'm 21 years old. I mean, I'm not ready to pastor, I can tell you that much. I'm not ready to pastor. Well, they said they kept on pushing and say we want you to be here. And my my bishop, Brother Hale, uh, called me and I was trying to get out of it. And he said, "Listen, Brother Tony, you will do what the Lord wants you to do." And, and that was kind of the end of discussion. <laughs> and I said, "Yes, sir." So I made all these stipulations. <laughs> I said, "You know, I need eighty five percent of the votes, and if you're only voting on me, and you're not going to bring any other preachers in to try out, it's just going to be me." Thinking that this is going to they're going to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, pretty soon here we get a vote, and um, I had 90-some percent of the church, and we had a, a brand-new building. Um, about 70 people were there the night that we voted, and um, then about three months after starting the pastor, um, we ran about, we started with about 18 people <laughs> in church. You know, everybody had kind of went their own way, and mm-hmm. uh, then it was just us in this brand-new building, and 18 people. How did you discern the voice of God for your future? I think if if I, if I was going to put that on anything, you know, put narrow it down, I would say I discerned the voice of God through my elders, um, hmm. guys like Bishop Hale. And, you know, I, I think that we have an obligation to hear that small, still voice on our own as well, but I, I feel like my generation and, and the younger generation needs to come to the point that, you know what, the voice of God can be used through these elders. That's why they're there, you know? And yeah, right. I don't know if I ever 
heard this, you know, thundering voice come from heaven. This is what you're going to do. But I, I, I stayed close to these elders in my life and, and listened to what they had to say. And when they, you know, when they spoke, I took it as this is a man of God and, and, you know, God's using them to direct me and where I'm going. And when Bishop called me that day and said, you will do what the Lord has called you to do. And there was no arguing, you know, my flesh didn't want to do that, but yeah, it was, yes, right. sir, it was just as good as the voice of God to me. Well, I mean, I mean, and that's a, that's a huge transition. I mean, that's not just something like, oh, I'm going to buy a new vacuum cleaner. I mean, this is a, this is a life shift. And, and I think that's very important to have, to have those people in our lives that can give us that wisdom and that counsel. Oh, I agree completely. So coming into pastoring as a young man, uh, a minister, how did you find your place? I mean, how, how did you do the, you know, the all things to all men or where, um, you know, trust me, it was very difficult. Um, here I'm trying to marriage counsel people that have been married longer than I've been alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and I kind of yeah. learned real quick in, in the in the counseling session is it's usually to tell one to be quiet while the other one talks and the other one to, <laughs> um, to be quiet while the other one talks. And I kind of learned that one very quickly. But uh, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, for those first, man, five years, six years, our church didn't grow. Um we had visitors come, but it didn't grow. We stayed 18 to 25 people in a building that seats 250, 300. Oh and it was, it was discouraging, man. It was very discouraging. Uh, but I knew that God had called us there. I've been born and raised in this town, um, in the city that I'm pastoring. Um, a lot of connections. And we just kept steadfast. And, I, you know, even being youth presidents for part of that time, I felt this need that you have to have a youth group, you have to have this, and uh, so we were trying to do all this stuff to keep up with other churches. And God, God told, I felt like God impressed me to say, start where you're at. Mm. Where, where are you right now? What's yeah. going on right now? And you know, the people that we are, you know, we run seventy or eighty people on Sunday morning now, pretty consistently. Uh, but the people that we're, my wife and I are winning, and our church is winning, are people our age. So I kind of had to throw this whole mentality of a big youth group, even mm-hmm. being youth president, big youth group, and focus where we're at. And we have a bunch of 30, 35-year-old people in our church that don't have 12 and 14 and 16-year-old kids. They have kids, right? four years old, seven years old. And so my wife and I decided about four years ago, five, four or five years ago, that we are going to have the greatest um, Sunday school department in all of Craig. And um, that's what we did, man. We started focusing on Sunday school, and that's that's where we were at. Uh, it just That kind of revolutionized my ministry to a point where I could have enough confidence in God when he said, start where you're at, to saying, okay, let's do this from where we're at and not get ahead of ourselves. As a young preacher, I think you get to a point where you want to keep up with our elders that have been doing it for 40 years. 60 years. And you're, you know, my church is not in the maturity level as some of these elders' churches are that have been doing it for 40 years. And sure, that, sure. that gave me the confidence, you know, to say, okay, I'm okay to start right where I'm at and, and go from there. Now, how do we, 
show that honor and respect. And you talked about your elders. Uh, how do we honor and respect as a young person, as a young minister, connecting and, and revering those that have gone on before us? You know, I think it's difficult on, on a couple on a couple levels, um, but it's a it's a need. The other day we were watching my wife and I were watching uh, on the YouTube Lee Stone King preaching, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, my little seven year old daughter comes up and and says, "Who's who, who's that, Dad?" And I said, "Well, that that's probably one of the greatest preachers you'll ever hear." And and you know, trying to get her to understand the the importance of um, of these elders in our lives. I, I heard Jimmy Tony say um, when he was preaching that because of the times he he said something about Brother G A Mangan and how he was tell, trying to explain to his daughter who this was, who yeah. who, who G A Mangan was at his funeral, and he the only way he could describe him was. If they were still writing the Bible today, this man would be in it. And hmm. I, I think that we have to come to a place where we are passing gener- from generation to generation the reverence of these great men of God that are going that have gone before us and who are before us. And it's not a competition, but a, a between us. It is something that I want what they have, and I want to get close to them, and I want to have that relationship that they have with God. But by doing that, it takes our generation, which has phenomenal ideas, phenomenal thoughts, and how to grow churches. But sometimes we have to just, you know, maybe be quiet a little bit, talk less, and listen more, and I, and we will get we'll get a lot out of out of that next generation or that generation that is ahead of us. You know, I appreciate what you said uh, about we're not in competition, and and that is so true that really we have the same purpose that they had, and that's uh, to reach the world with the gospel. And, and if that's our main motivation, then, uh, then we, can, we can work together. I really feel that way. I agree. I agree 100%. Now, are there any books or resources that you would recommend for young ministers? I'll tell you two books. That they weren't really leadership books, so to speak, of, but just two books that changed the way that I think. There's a book called The Sun Stands Still. I believe it is Stephen Furtick that wrote it, but this book, to me, it had, it had things in there like, if your dream is not intimidating to you, it's probably insulting to God. It, it, it was a it was a dream. It was a book about vision and dream. It's a book about vision and dreaming big. And then as pastor, I would say one, you know, there's tons of books out there, but one of the books that kind of, as God was telling me, start where you're at right now, was a book called Simple Church. You know, a lot of churches have, uh, you know, ideas of starting all these different programs. Well, when you're a small church and you have all these different programs, some of those programs are dying. Why not do a couple things great instead of a bunch of things half-heartedly? And, you know, that kind of helped us, you know, now that we're just focusing on our children's church and our, on our Sunday school. I mean, the last Sunday of every month here in Craig, we do a church, children's church in the sanctuary with all the adults. And that by far is our biggest Sunday every month. You mm-hmm. know you're going to have visitors there, but we are creating a culture around that. 
and it all came from that simple church book. What advice can you give to a young minister that that is feeling that tug uh, toward ministry? I would say that, number one, if you're not living the life before the title, you're not going to live the life after the title. That that is something that uh, that we have to understand as a young minister. If yeah. I'm not praying and I'm not fasting and I'm not trying to win souls because I don't have a pulpit, so to speak, of or I don't have a title, I'm not going to do that after I get a title. It just doesn't work that way at all. Um, from the inside, and it comes. It's before the title. I have to live these things. So I would say that was number one. If you're not praying, you're not fasting, you're not trying to win souls. You probably need to um, reevaluate some things. <laughs> uh, number two, I would say consult with your elders, your pastor. Um, even if you're you're a pastor, you better have pastors in your life. And uh, so I, I would say those two things right there. Um, am I living life for? Am I living you know this called life before my title? And who is in my life to? Uh, influenced me. I, I believe it was T.S. Tenney said that you have to have three people in your life to be an effective minister. You need to have someone that is above you, you know, a pastor, so to speak of. And you need to have somebody on the same level as you are, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that can is dealing with the exact same things you're dealing with. But then you have to have somebody underneath you that you're mentoring because it is, we can't be just a pool, you know, and we can't just get fed in and not be, you know, and not feed somebody else through what we've been fed. And so, I think those are the, those three areas are are very important to a young minister and something that you can never start too early doing. Absolutely, you know, you talked a little bit about that first uh, first year or two that you were pastoring. And how you really you really didn't see any growth as far as numerically. Talk about that for a little bit. What were you going through, and and how can we how can we deal with those times when it when it feels like we're not growing, feels like we're just kind of floating through life, so to speak? How can we stay focused and stay committed in that time? Yeah, you know, those first few years, our, our town is not a big city. I mean, our our, our town is about. Ten to twelve thousand people. So when you when you have a pastor here that has been there twenty two years and that, you know makes a mistake that you know we all could make easily if we don't guard ourselves. It, it was a tough time because everybody you know small town everybody knows what happened. Sure, sure. <laughs> and so now you have this twenty one year old kid that is going to come in and or has been here and is going to start pastoring. For those couple of years, you know, a lot. I'll tell you, I, I dealt with. I feel a lot of loneliness, and, and um, you know that might be hard for some to understand. But you know, felt like you know, especially when you live in the northwest corner of Colorado, <laughs> uh, the closest church to me is about two and a half hours away. Wow. Um, and so, you know, even though people try to reach out, you know, I'm not saying that they, no one tried to reach out. It was just. Monday mornings after a sermon, you know, you, there was this loneliness. And so I, I found to deal with that, I started reaching out to people. 
and and maybe even bug them a little too much. <laughs> but I <laughs> sure. felt like, man, I'm going sure. to reach out and I'm going to pester people until they until they know that I'm serious. And I started doing that because I knew in my situation it was easy to fold up and die, be it in that loneliness as a minister. Um, one of the good things I would say about being young in during that time is I, I didn't know any different. <laughs> so, um, right. Right. You know, leaving was never an option. You know, walking away wasn't an option. It was, this is where God called me. I, I remember this, and, you know, some, some would probably laugh at this, but I remember I didn't know what to do. I didn't know really what to preach. You know, I was normally used to preaching one day a month or one service a month. Now I'm preaching, you know, twice on Sundays and, and once on Wednesday, you know, three times a week. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I was so desperate. I took one of Danny Hood's books, I think it was The Desperation Zone, and I preached that thing from chapter by chapter. I wrote my sermon from his chapter uh, of the book, and it was just being 21 and not, you know, never being trained, so to speak. And I just went chapter by chapter. And, you know, I look back now, and God honored all those things. I was. Uh, this is the last story here. Um, I was about 24 years old, and I was sitting there. And, you know, I grew up, I never met my real dad. And my mom was a single mom, and I helped take care of my brother. You know, at the age of 12 years old, my mom worked, you know, three nights away and then come home and, and, and work the graveyard shift on the weekends, you know, just trying to give my brother and I everything we needed. And I took care of him. I made sure schoolwork was done, and I made sure dinner was cooked, and I, I made sure laundry was done. And One day I was about 24, and, and um, six years ago I started complaining to God in the sanctuary of our church and saying, God, you know, I never met my dad, and I, I just, how do I, how do I get through these things that even though I've been in ministry for a while, I'm still struggling with God, if I ever heard the audible voice of God, it was this day. And, and God pulled me aside, and he said, listen, do you remember when you were 12 years old and you had to make sure homework was done? And you remember when you were 14 and, you know, you started working that summer and you, you haven't stopped since? Do you remember making sure your brother's lunches were packed and dinners were made and all this stuff? Do you remember those times? I said, yeah, I remember them exactly. He said, do you think I let you go through that just to be a mean God? He said, I was preparing you to be at a level so you could start pastoring at 21. Mm. If you hadn't gone through all that, there's no way I could have you in a position to take a church, my bride, at 21. Wow. Huh. And it was at that moment, a 24-year-old kid, I, I, I had a purpose all of a sudden, even though I'd been pastoring for three or four years. It was at that moment that I, I felt like God spoke directly to me, saying, you're the right man for the right job. You don't have all the answers, but I got you here for a reason. And, you know, from that moment, I, I preached with different convictions. I, I preached with different authority because I finally understood, no matter if nobody else was coming to our church and we're not growing, God was in control of this situation. He's in control of my past, and he's in control of my future. And I have to understand that. And so I would tell young preachers that when they, you don't have to have a Pentecostal pedigree, 
that goes back generation to generation to generation to be used mightily of God. But sometimes he uses those ones that come out, out of the woods and nobody knows, and nobody knows, and your name's not famous in, in Pentecost, that he still has a purpose and he still has a reason for you and for your ministry. That is so true. And, and I wonder, in closing right now, uh, Brother Booyer, if you could just take a minute and pray over that young person that's feeling that pull, that that tug on their heart right now, and, and uh, maybe they're in that lonely time, or maybe they're just really seeking God for their future. I wonder if you could just pray over them right now. Yeah. Oh, Lord, we, we come before you today. God, I, I pray with a heavy heart. For all these young ministers, God, that are feeling a call, feeling a pull from you. God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would give them a compassion for souls. Not not a compassion and not a passion for titles and for positions and for 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 churches, God, but for souls. I pray, Lord, that we would be moved, that this next generation and my generation would be moved by people like you were moved by people, God not by positions, but by people. God, I pray that we would see this world as you see them, or through your eyes, that we might have the compassion that you had towards the lost. God, I pray on this next generation, I pray ridiculous favor in their life. I pray, God, favor that blows their mind because it's your favor on them. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom beyond their years and wisdom beyond their understanding, God. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities, God, that you've opened up in our lives. And I just pray, God, that we would never, ever, God, get to the position that we think we've made it because we haven't made it until you've called us home. We love you and appreciate you, Lord. In your precious name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother Booyer, thank you so much for joining us. It, it's been an honor to have you with us today. And I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, and appreciate what you're doing on this uh, ministry and, and bridging these gaps between generations. I, I really appreciate it. You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews and other resources to help you develop in your ministry. Also, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting us financially by going to ministrymentorship.com backslash donate. And any amount will be a tremendous blessing to this ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.